0: To do good in order to be saved? Or to be saved in order to do good? That, as it happens, is the question that underlies this very famous and very complex parable that Jesus tells us in uh, Matthew 25 about the sheep and the goats. You see, the world would tell you that you have to be good in order to be saved. That in the end, your goodness and your badness is weighed in the balance of destiny and you are judged accordingly. And if you're judged good enough, you will be admitted into heaven. That's what the world would tell you. And it's actually the foundation of every religion That exists. But Christianity, of course, isn't a religion, is it? No to me. It's a faith. And the good news of the gospel will tell you that by faith in Jesus, you have been saved. Saved now. Lifted into the realm of heaven already. And then we are placed back into the world, to live out that salvation, to allow what has already been worked in us to work out of us in our lives. Simple as that. And what Jesus says in this parable of the sheep and the goats, which he draws, of course, from the great ancient prophets, Ezekiel uh, in particular, talking about the shepherd separating and judging between the sheep and so on that we've just had, what Jesus uh, makes of it in this parable in Matthew 25 is that there is a distinction, <clears throat> a distinction between the nations, which he names there or which he speaks of in verse 32, the nations and the brothers and sisters of mine that he speaks of in verse 40. There's a distinction The people of the nations are the people of the world. Uh, the people who are living with a be good to be saved outlook on life. Uh, the Greek words for nations is ta ethne. You'll, have, you'll hear the resonances of that word. There's words which mean kind of the pagans or the Gentiles, or if you like, the other ones. That's ta ethne those who are not yet followers of Jesus, those with a do-good-in-order-to-be-saved outlook on life. And the judgment is according to how they respond to those who do follow Jesus, to the brothers and sisters of mine, as he calls them. You see, the people of Israel always viewed the nations as judged according to how they responded to the people of Israel. That's why Edom, for example, in... Uh, in um, I can't remember the prophet. It's gone from my head right in a moment. But the people of Edom were considered really bad people because they were on the side of the Babylonians when Jerusalem fell. And so they were specifically prophesied against how nations treated Israel was how they were judged. But in this parable, Jesus comes along and he reinterprets the idea. See, now Jesus takes the place of the king, the king of the nations. And uh, he judges the world on how the world treats the new Israel, these Brothers and sisters of mine, the followers of Jesus, the harsh words that Jesus finishes this parable with about going away to eternal punishment, they're not directed to his followers. They are directed to the nations according to how they did not treat his followers. See, we know from earlier on in the story that Matthew's Gospel tells us that Jesus has defined those who follow him. Whoever does the will of my Father, he says in uh, chapter 12, uh, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my mother and sister. So they are the followers of him, those who have a be-saved-and-do-good outlook on life, who have transformed their minds. So, the one thing you need to leave this service with in your mind about the Bible scripture we've had today is that when Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats, he isn't referring to judgment on his followers for whether they did or didn't do these things. He's referring to the others, ta ethne, those who don't follow him. And this judgment on the world comes uh, firstly when he looks at them on the basis of the do good and and, uh, be saved uh, outlook on life. He sees there are some who don't make it. See, in verse 34, there are the blessed. And in verse 41, there are the cursed. So there's a distinction or a division even between the two. And the things that create that division... Well, we might look for them ourselves. He looks first at their actions in verses 35 and 36. I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. Oh, Sorry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. That's what the blessed did. But the cursed, in verse 42 and 43, are the opposite. Away from me, you who are cursed... For I was needing clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not help me. There is a judgment on what a person in the world does. Have they done enough to be judged good? And the list Jesus gives of these things is fairly easy. It's clear, isn't it? Feeding those of his brothers and sisters who are hungry and thirsty. Showing Hospitality to his brothers and sisters who are strangers. Providing materially for them, uh, of the, for those of them who are impoverished. Caring for those of them who are sick or in prison. It's not a hard list, really. And because it's so simple, perhaps it's, that's why those who do not do them are cursed in the following Verses not cursed because they have done evil things, but cursed because they have not done good things. It's possible that a person may sin by not doing anything. Sins of omission, they're called. A person may never do an evil thing in their life, But for someone with a do-good-and-be-saved outlook, the stain of sin remains on them because they have not done everything they possibly could have. So the division that Jesus makes is very simple. Living with this kind of outlook is quite dreadful. Those who are blessed do these things. Those who are cursed don't do these things. And it's a quite terrible way to live because you never know. You're never sure. You're always feeling we could do better. It's a tyranny living with that mentality. And even we, the followers of Christ, can find ourselves thinking and feeling like that. I don't suppose there's one of us, not one of us, who never goes to bed saying, Oh God, oh God, I should have done better. I ought to be a nicer person. We all fall into that. And when we do, it's a sign that we haven't quite grasped the depth and power of the gospel yet. We haven't grasped it well enough. Because the gospel says, you're saved. The gospel says, you are saved. Good enough. Not by anything you've done, but by faith in Jesus and what he has done. So if we find ourselves thinking, oh, I ought to do better, then the answer is not to try and do better tomorrow. It's to look to Jesus. To be with him in prayer that his love may touch our hearts, that his acceptance may renew our very being, that our minds may be transformed until we have truly laid hold of a be saved and do good outlook on life. Well, if actions are the first thing that Jesus refers to about the judgment on the world, the second thing, the second kind of level, a lower level, as it were, a deeper level, is that he's looking at the attitude of such people. On the basis of a good, do good and be saved mentality, there's a difference in the attitude between the blessed and the cursed. In, uh, in verse 37 to 39, um, the blessed are commended by the king for the way that they have lived. And yet their inner attitude is such that they don't recognise it. They're more conscious, actually, of their failings than anything else. In verse 37, they say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When, When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? See, the attitude is not, oh, look how well I've done. Actually, it's hardly aware of it at all. The blessed person doesn't bother about self and how well or badly they've been doing. They they just do what comes naturally. When did I ever see you, Jesus? I was just doing what I do. And yet... And yet... We can turn that very thing into false humility, can't we? Oh, it was nothing. Oh, it wasn't important. Or the false humility of always thinking that we are a failure. The self-indulgent, self-pity, the self-loathing that wallows in despair. There are people in the world who think they fail at everything. When did I ever see you, Jesus? You've, you've got the wrong person. Jesus never gets the wrong person. But on the other hand, the danger of a do good and be saved mentality is that people want to justify themselves, to convince themselves that they're all right and they're not to blame. So they plead their case. And these are the ones that come along in verse 44. And they say, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? When did we ever see you a stranger and invite you in? When were you ever in prison and we visited you? I never saw you. You can't blame me. These are words of self-justification. They're the same words as the Blessed but they come out with a different attitude. They come out with a different set of circumstances. The blessed people use them as an admission of their weakness, and and the cursed people use them to defend themselves. And in this world of do good and be saved, the sad thing is that people judge each other all the time. They either measure their weaknesses by other people's strengths and live in the misery of thinking themselves to be a terrible person. Do you ever do that? Or they look at another person and see themselves that they're better. And they live in the misery of thinking that the other person's a terrible person. Either way, it's a terrible way to live. But it's very difficult not to live like it. See, sheep and goats in Jesus' day were very difficult to tell apart. And they were often pastured together. Just like the people who use the same words. There are people who were in this world who fall into the trap of thinking that they're all right. That they're justified in themselves. When did we ever see you, Jesus, hungry or thirsty? Never. We haven't done anything wrong. They use the same words. But Jesus offers us the be saved and do good outlook. It avoids the self-justifying. And it avoids the sense of failure. Because by faith, we are saved. Not by what we have done or not done, but by what he has done. We deal in good news. And news is a report of something that has already happened. It's not advice about what you should do in the future. It is news. And this is good news. Jesus has done it in the past everything necessary for us to be saved. And there's nothing we can do in the future that adds to it or alters it. And we then have laid hold of this be saved and do good attitude. So the future is important to us what we do comes with an authenticity when rate from a be saved and do good outlook on life see the people of the world are judged judged by how they treat the followers of jesus the brothers and sisters as he calls them he says whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me and again in verse 45 whatever you did not do for the least of these you did not do for me. That's the measure of their judgment. And if the nations then are judged on how they treat the followers of Jesus, how will the followers of Jesus be known in the world? Well, I believe the answer is in that little word, the least. The least. The smallest and most insignificant, see the whole point of our be saved and do good outlook on life is that is <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I didn't know we had one of those. <laughs> the, the whole point of our be saved and do good outlook on life, is that having been saved, we live out our salvation in the world. Letting what God has worked in us work out of us by doing good, and doing good in particular to the least in our communities, the least in the world, the poor and the oppressed, the downtrodden and the disadvantaged. That's where we find the authentic expressions of the kingdom of God. I suppose that's why Meadgate Church does such a lot of good things in our neighbourhood. It's why we do Connect Food events. It's why we do the night shelter, December to to February, or our young people's work during the week and the evenings, or care for the elderly to combat social exclusion, or working with the agencies to provide mental health support in this place five days a week, working pastorally with people with anxiety, giving Denisa Care Centre in Romania, and our support of. Hope for Kids or Supporting Samaritan's Purse and the Christmas Boxes and the Raising Families Project in Africa or a care for mothers and toddlers at various times in the week. All of it is marvellously good stuff. But what makes it kingdom stuff? What makes it authentic is that it comes out of, it flows from, it emerges forth from our knowledge that we have already been saved. We are saved, and so we do good. Working out the good that has already been worked in us. Working out the good that that doesn't look for a reward, because doing good is a reward in itself. Not looking for benefit, because we have already benefited. Not anxious about what can't be done, because what has been done is enough. It's enough to save you and me and everyone who will come to Jesus. That's how the followers of Jesus are known in Meadgate. It's because we are saved that we are willing to serve to look out for the least, to serve the community with passion, to be free to do these things, not because we want to be saved, but because we have been saved. Do good and be saved is a life of drudgery and worry and fear. And the people of the world, ta ethne, live like that. And they will be judged by Christ accordingly but the authentic followers of Jesus the brothers and sisters of his live by the be saved and do good outlook and we will be with him judging the nations <coughs> Amen